out here. So, all right, let's jump into filters part three today. If you got some notes, how many you got some notes this morning? Did you get some on your way in? Hopefully, I think we tried. We've been trying to print more so we don't run out of them. But uh, we want to jump right in today to this idea of filters. We're talking about changing your thinking, changing your life. And so I want to start off today with our, our key verse, kind of the theme verse for this whole series has been out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, and it reads this way. This is, this is what it says. Ephesians 4, verse 23. Can we throw that on the screen? There we go. And continually be renewed in the spirit of your mind, having, now everybody say these three words, having a fresh, untarnished, mental and spiritual attitude, that God wants you and I to have a fresh filter, fresh. We, we need fresh, and uh, if you are honest, and if I'm honest, that oftentimes our thinking can get a little stinky, get some stinking thinking, and, and what comes in comes out in our life, and so we've got to watch what we think about. What we think about is what we become, and your life is going to move in the direction, anybody remember the rest? In the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life's going to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so God wants to give you something fresh, a fresh filter. We like things that are fresh. How many of you in here love coffee? Any coffee lovers in here? Yeah, okay, come on. How many know sweet heavenly nectar of coffee? All right. We, we are so thankful for coffee. Uh, for those that don't know, Christy uh, that owns Java Jolts comes here to the church, and all the girls, a lot of the girls that work there come to the church as well. I tell them they are, they are angels from heaven. And so... Come on, how, how many of you, how many just, you got to have coffee every day. You're an everyday coffeeer type of person. How many know if you don't have coffee every day, nobody needs to talk to you? And who's, those, who's those people? Yeah, yeah. The, the pastors on the team laugh at me. They kind of make fun of me because I'm, I'm not really like a, like a black coffee type of guy. Like I like kind of the, 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 the other versions like the cappuccinos and the, fr- and they said those are girly drinks. That's what they call it. They're girly drinks because Melanie d- decorates my, my drink with like these little swirls and leaves and stuff all over it. And I got to do this when I drink it. You know, no, I'm joking. So, <laughs> and so I'm not huge. I'm, I mean, uh, I'll drink coffee every once in a while. I drink some this morning. But I love coffee. Coffee is incredible. And how many thankful for the hospitality team that puts out coffee every Sunday so y'all can come in here and have it? You know, y'all have already had four cups by 11.15, but you get your sixth one when you finally hear. So you get, you get some of that coffee. And, you know, if you know the way that coffee works, I'm sure, I'm sure you do, there's, there's a filter in there. And you've got to put those coffee grounds into that filter, and then that water's got to filter through that filter, through those beans, and of course, all of the, the Jesus juice comes out of those, those grounds. Come on, somebody. That's what that should... Can we rename it? Can we rename it? Hashtag Jesus juice. Okay, so it comes down, and, and then you get this glowing gold that's just right there in front of you. But it comes through this filter, and, and if, if you don't change that filter... Your coffee's not going to be that good the next time. How many know you got to get a fresh filter every time? New filter every single time. Every time you got to get one. And the same is true with our mental state, that you and I have to have a fresh filter. That, that we're going through life many times and we haven't changed that. And so for the past two weeks leading up to this, we've been talking about how to change the filter Last week we talked about how to fix the filter and that it's not just important that you just capture these thoughts, but you got to make sure of what you're thinking about and what you're putting in. And you want, We want to fill our life with truth and that's one of the ways that we get rid of the lies that we've been listening to is fill our life with truth and what we meditate on and what we fix our thoughts on and we got to think about what we're thinking about. So that's been the past two weeks. Today though, we're going to talk about reframing. Everybody say the word reframing. Reframing. 
And we're going to talk about this idea of what reframing is all about. Reframing is simply changing the way we look at something by changing the meaning. Makes me think of a, of a story of a kid who his parents told him, you are the best batter in the world. You're the best batter in the world. And he had confidence. Everywhere that he went, he said, I am the best batter. Did y'all know I'm the best batter in the world? And one day he went outside, was wanting to play baseball. None of his friends were out. So he decided, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pitch around with myself. So he'd throw the ball up and he'd swing, strike one. He says, I'm still the best batter in the world. I'm still the best batter in the world. Throws the ball up, swing, strike two. Misses it again. He says, I'm still the best batter in the world. Throws the ball up for the third time, swing, struck out. And he said, oh my God, I am the best pitcher in the world because I just struck out the best batter in the world. <laughs> Come on, I mean, no, he knew how to reframe that situation. He can just reframe it. Yeah, I can look at something a little bit differently. And, and the same is true with you and I, that we can look at things differently, but it all is based off of what kind of filter that we have. Now, I wear glasses. How many of you in here wear glasses or contacts? Yeah, come on, four eyes in the house, unite. And so, um, so you know, I, I, I remember the day of when I could barely see the, the stop signs and the, the, uh, the road signs, and, and I was squinting. And I remember going into the optometrist, coming out, and putting on that, those glasses and being like, oh, that's a tree. <laughs> wow. Like, just seeing things. In a brand, y'all remember those days? Anybody in here, like, you were blind. Like, and your parents were like, you're fine. And then you finally got glasses, and you're like, I hate you for years. I couldn't see. And now, like, you see things through, through a, whole new, a whole new filter, a whole new lens, a whole new frame. And the reason I bring that up is because oftentimes the issues in our life is not what we're looking at, but what we're looking through. What we're looking through. That you and I can be going through the same situation, and it's not that we see, are experiencing different facts, it's that we're experiencing it through different filters, different frames. You and I can look at the exact same situation or go through the exact same situation, and both of us have totally different responses, not by what happened to us, but by the frames that we were looking at it through. Is everybody with me so far? So we gotta make sure that we've got everything in the right frame. Everything's got to be the right frame. So today's message is called the frame game. We're going to talk about how do we frame things properly. So if you're taking some notes, I want you to write this first thing down. And that is, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Let me ask you this question. What kind of day are you going to have today? It's really based off of just however you want to frame it. Let me show you a picture. Let me, let me show you how this works. I asked you the question, how are you going to have, what kind of day are you going to have today? Many of you said, awesome day, great day. Some of you are like, mm, I don't know. I don't know what kind of day I'm going to have. Well, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. This picture here, I think, represents a lot of our life. There's some sides that are absolutely bright and sunny and amazing. And then there's other sides of our life that to be honest, are dark, gloomy, and despairing. And you and I get to choose how we frame it. And you wake up every day and you get to decide what your day is going to look like. Is your day going to be, I hate my job, everything's terrible, I don't like those, those people are a pain in the you know what. I can't believe I'm always here. I can't, or are you going to frame it? Man, Jesus loves me. Man, God's with me. Hey, I have a job. Thank God. I have a wife. 
she's a, she's a blessing in the you know what. She's a, I have, man, I, God, you are with me. God, you are for me. God, you how I many know, you can't control what happens to you, but you do get to choose how you frame it. And if we look at our lives, our lives is full of the sunshine and it's full of the dark days. The question is, which one is your life framed around? And many of us have allowed hardships to frame us. If you come into my house, you're going to see a ton of pictures all over my walls. We, my family uh, loves taking pictures. And how many know family photos can be either heavenly or demonic? It just depends on if your kids want to cooperate or husband. <laughs> and if you come into our house, you'll see a lot of family pictures. You'll see a lot of paintings and you'll see a lot of different things. And we chose what went in those frames. We chose it. We could have put whatever we wanted in those frames, but we chose the pictures that we liked. And well, let me take that back. Lindsay chose what goes in those frames, which ones that she liked. And the same is true with life. What has happened for many people, though, is we have bought into the lie that what has happened to me has defined me. The truth is you chose to frame it that way. Because what happened to you did not make you who you are. You chose to frame who you are. Are y'all with me? Am I preaching to the 1115 this morning? And so you and I get to choose how we frame it. And sometimes you can't choose the picture that goes into it, but you can choose how you frame it. It, it makes me think about a story of a girl um, that was in college, and she told, told her parents, she called her parents one day and said, hey, I really need to talk to you. And uh, she said, but I got to come home to tell you what I'm about to tell you. So she drove home from college, and she got in through the house, and parents were there waiting. What's going on? She said, I really need you all to sit down. I need to be honest with you about something. What's going on? So a couple months ago, I uh, was out at a club with a bunch of friends and um, was drinking way too much and, and ended up meeting a guy, and we went back to his place and did some things we shouldn't have done. And a couple months later, I found out that I was pregnant. And I wanted to let you know and in a year, he's about to get out of jail, and then he's going to go through rehab, and when he gets done with rehab, we're going to get married. And her mom and dad's jaw drops on the ground, and she says, wait, hold on. I just wanted to let y'all know, everything that I just told y'all is not true. I actually got a D in chemistry. I just wanted you to know it could have been worse. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I just, I just help high schoolers and college-age students right now with any kind of bad news that you got. Come on, you can just reframe that. You just ran that. Hey, I'm pregnant. No, just kidding. I just lost my job. <laughs> so it's all based how you frame it. You get to frame it. And if there's anybody that knew what it was to frame things, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had this incredible job of framing things. And he had just a desire just to be used by God. That was his desire was to be used by God to spread the gospel. One of his dreams, one of, one of Paul's really God-given dreams, I think, was to go to Rome and to preach to the Romans because he knew that if he can get in Rome, he could preach the good news to the Romans and change that city, that that city would impact the world. And so that was his desire. That was his plan. That was the mission that he had for him. Unfortunately, it didn't go as he had planned. See, Paul had desire to go to Rome and preach what he didn't know is that he was going to get to Rome, but he wasn't going to get to Rome the way that he thought he was going to get to Rome. The only way that he actually ended up getting to Rome was he got put in prison in Rome. <laughs> Which tells me that sometimes, how many of you know, what we want to happen doesn't always happen the way we want it to happen. Any of y'all had plans that you felt like this was the plan and God changed the plan on you? Anybody had those before? 
Like I had a plan. I got a plan of exactly how it's going to. And what ends up happening is Paul goes to Rome, but he goes to Rome via prison. And many of us, I think, in here have had our plans too. You know, you got your five-year, your 10-year, your 15-year plan of what's exactly going to happen. You know, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a good degree and then I'm going to go and get a good job and then I'm going to get married. And then you find out that you do go to college and you do get your degree and you get all the debt that comes along with it as well. And then you don't get the job that you wanted to get, that you thought you had planned to get and it didn't happen. You're like, God, what's going on? Or you had the plan of getting married, like, I'm going to just get married, and it's going to be amazing, and he's going to be like my knight in shining armor, like all those Disney movies show, and he's just going to be amazing. And then you get married, and he ain't as amazing as Disney. <laughs> and it's not happily ever after. And you wonder, God, what is going on? Or you had plans like, I'm going to get married, and then we're going to have kids, and we're going to have three kids, three kids. We're going to have three kids, two dogs. This is just what it's going to be, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be awesome. And then you lose one of those kids in a tragic accident. And the things that you had planned didn't go as planned. We've all been there, right? How many of you been there? You been there? You had plans. You had plans of what your marriage or your family or your school or whatever it is, however it was going to go. You had plans, but it didn't go as you had planned. And so I want to show you how this plays out. Watch what he says in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 13, and this is what he says. I want to show you in a version, though, that oftentimes I think if we were to have a version of our own, this is what our version would look like. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, I call it the NCV version. The NCV version stands for the new complainer's version. This is what Paul could have said, and I think probably what we would have said. He said, hey, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here sucks. And you know, and as a result of the hell I've been through, I'm quitting life group, and I'm never going back to church again. How many of you know right now, this actually is more accurate than you can imagine? This is actually how so many people view what they're going through. But I want to show you, I want to show you what Paul really said. Watch what Paul really said. This is what Paul really says. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has what? Say it aloud. Helped. It's helped to spread the good news. It has helped. Everything that has happened to me, you might want to underline that, everything that has happened to me, everything that has happened to me has helped. We're, we're talking about reframing what we're going through, reframing pain, reframing, reframing problems, reframing how we see people. Everything that has happened to me here, it's helped. Is it how I wanted it to happen? No. But it has helped, and watch, it's helped to spread the good news. Look at the next verse. And it says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. What was Paul's dream? To go to Rome and that people would learn about Christ. Is his dream becoming a reality? Yes or no? Yes. Is it how he had it planned? No. But how many you know God still fulfills his purposes, but sometimes it's different than how you thought he wanted to fulfill it? 
And so he says, man, all the palace guards know. Now watch this. It even goes another step further. Not only do people that don't know God know about him, but he says, and because of my imprisonment, this is huge if you want to underline that, because of this, most of the believers here have gained confidence and are boldly speaking God's message without fear. That because I'm in prison, because I'm not where I really want to be, but it's where God has me. Not only are people that don't know God coming to know God, but even people who do know God are being encouraged, are being, are being confident. And here's what you need to know about prison. In those days, prison is not like prison today. You know, it's not like they got like three incredible meals and they get to watch HBO and work out. That's not prison in the biblical times. Prison in the biblical times is often, you were often in a pit actually in some kind of really dark, dreary, nasty place with barely any food if they fed you at all. And if you were the chief of the prisoners, you were chained to another guard. There was a guard that was actually chained to you. And every eight hours, they would change out that guard and a new guard would be assigned to you. Paul was so influential that they would often have guards chained to him. And so I want you to imagine this though. The Apostle Paul has guards chained to him. Who's the real prisoner? Because <laughs> how many of you know the Apostle Paul just had one desire? I just want to preach. I just want to win people to Jesus. And guess what God does? He puts them in a place where every eight hours he's got a new person he gets to talk to about Jesus. And so this verse says, the whole palace, everybody knows about God. You know why? Because they all been my prisoner. He reframed it. He looked at it through a different filter. Um, in photography and videography, I used to be a photographer, so, so that we talk about, in, in photography and videography, they talk about the frame. Like, you got to make sure you want to have it in the frame. You, you determine what you want to put in the frame of the, of the shoot. Any videographer knows that. There's certain things you want in the frame, certain things you want out of the frame, and, and you got to frame it. And I think the same is true with our filter and with our mind is that oftentimes we'll look at a situation and we've already pre-framed what it is and, and we put the wrong things in the frame. And, and in photography, there is like, um, there's small lenses in frames and then there's wide lenses in frames. And how many know oftentimes when we can look at what's going on in our life, we have the small lens, the small frame on, and God's trying to give you the wide lens, the wide frame to see all of the, how many know we see us and God sees everything. He sees it big. So God's trying to give us a new frame. So how do we change the frame? Glad you asked. Write this down. First off, is you pre-frame. You got to pre-frame, which means you got to make up your mind ahead of time. Everybody say that with me. Make up your mind ahead of time. Make up your mind ahead of time. You got to pre-frame your day, which means that I'm going to choose the frame before the event even happens, before my day even starts. Because how many of you know we all have a default frame, and that default frame is not towards positive things, it's towards negative things. We have a default frame and, and we've got to pre-frame things before everything because we got to frame it with faith. We are people, are we people of faith? I want to make sure. Are we people of faith? Okay, if we're people of faith and then that means that, that we have an ability to have an outlook on something before we see the outcome. 
I'm going to say that again. If we are people of faith, we have an outlook towards something before we know the outcome. We trust, we believe, we have great anticipation. So this is what actually the psalmist says. Look what the psalmist says in Psalms 118.24. Look, look how he frames it. It's already a pre-framed thing. This is the day the Lord has made. We will and be glad. Some of you are like, rejoice and be glad in it. You know why? Because you already pre-framed it. This is the day the Lord's made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is what it's saying. Listen to me closely. Before the day even starts, I've already pre-framed the day. This is the day that the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. I'm already pre-framed. And you go, well, Pastor Josh, I don't know what the day is going to be like. Exactly. You've already predetermined a pre-response before it even comes. So when it does come, you've already got your response ready for when it comes. You're on your way to work. You blow a flat tire. And you're like, rejoice and be glad in it. Right? No, not so much. You get the phone call from the principal's office. We need you to come down. Your son needs to talk to you. Like, oh, I'm going to come down all right. And there's these things that happen throughout the day, but in the midst of it, you don't realize that in the midst of all those little things that are happening throughout the day, God is using those things to make you. God's using those things to fulfill his plan. God is using even the hardships, even the things that you don't want in your life. God is using that to make you who he wants you to be. Any of y'all look back at things that were pre in your life that you look back and go, I hated going through that, but now that I look back at it, I'm thankful that I went through it because I am a better person because I went through that. Anybody seen that before? And so what if we predetermined that already? Like before it even happens, we wake up. And now some of you think this is crazy, but the truth is you're already pre-framing your day already. All you got to do is you just got to jump on social media and you can see how many people are pre-framing their day already. Good. Monday. <laughs> I hate it. I don't want to go work today. Well, guess what? You've already pre-framed your day. I can tell you exactly what your day is going to be like today. Y'all know people like that? You, you get to choose the frame. Let's go ahead and, and decide we're going to pre-frame it. Number two. We're going to pre-frame it, number one. Number two, we're going to reframe it, which means we're going to look for God's goodness. We're going to look for God's goodness. All right, so I want you to tune in really here. Because it's one thing to pre-frame before the day starts, before the problems come, before, before I got to, you know, I got to. <laughs> Some of us need to pre-forgive people before they even hurt us, right? Pre-forgive. God, somebody's going to say something stupid. I just go ahead and pre-forgive them before it happens. But then, okay, you can make that determination that this is going to happen, but then let's, let's get into the day and something doesn't go the way that you want it to go, and in that moment, you've got to reframe it. You've got to reframe, and you've got to begin to look for God's goodness. Now, what is the difference between these two? Let me show you these two animals right here. Two birds, two different types of birds. And there's a big difference between the two, not only just in size, but even in what they do. What is this one? 
and hummingbird. You know what the other one is? It's a vulture. What's the difference? One, one, one looks for dead things and eats off of dead things. One looks for flower and nectar and pollen and it finds pollen. Here's the, here's the two common factors, or really one of the main common factors for both of these is whatever they're looking for, they find. So vultures find dead things. They find, you know, stuff that's nasty that no, no other animal wants to touch. And then birds, uh, the hummingbird finds sweet flowers and nectar. And, but they're, they're both finding what they're looking for. And I want you to understand that. That applies to us as well. You will find what you're looking for. Except if it's your kid's shoe right before church and they can't find it. You can't find that one. So, come on, any parents in the house? But oftentimes you will find what you are looking for. Um, let, how many of you remember Where's Waldo? Any, any, anywhere Waldo fan in here? Yeah, Where's Waldo? Yeah. Hey, Josiah, come here. Come here, come here. This is my oldest son. Y'all give it up for Josiah. He had a birthday the other day. He is now 14. All right, Josiah, on the screen behind you, I'm going to put a Where's Waldo. I want you to find Waldo for me, all right? Y'all put it up there for me. Let's see it. Let's see if y'all can, can find it before he finds it. Where is Waldo in the thing? And don't point to the stamp on the postcard, okay? That's not... <laughs> you got to find it. See if y'all can find him. See if you can find where is Waldo in the picture. So you're pretty good at this stuff. Where's he at? Where's he at? Anybody found him yet? Anybody already found him? All right, don't say yet. I'm going to give you a chance. You already found it? Y'all found him? Where's he at? Boom! You my boy right there. Okay, all right. Did I tell you that before? Did I tell you this before? Tell the people. Did I tell you this before? Because they're going to be thinking I rigged this thing. Okay, yeah, it's right here. How many had found him? Be honest. You're in church. You'll go to hell. Okay, so, okay. How... How many of you did not find it? Raise your hand. You did not find it. Okay, all right. How many of you could not see? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you, bud. Love you, buddy. <clears throat> That's my boy. Make me proud. Okay. There's, there's Waldo. Where's Waldo? There he is. The reason I bring this up is because I think this is a lot about life. I think when you look at this, it's just a lot of chaos, just a lot of craziness, a lot of things that has happened. And you can find things that you're looking for if you know what you're looking for. If you're looking for bad things, you can find bad things. If you're looking for good things, you can find good things. If you're looking for Waldo, you can find him if you eventually stay looking for him. I wonder if we could find God if we would just keep looking for him. Because the Bible says if you would seek him wholeheartedly, you will find him. I wonder if every situation in our life, if we were looking for him, we would find him. The problem is we're not looking for him and we wonder why we're not finding him. If we would learn to reframe the situation and whatever hardship that you're going through, whatever problem you're going through, if you would learn to know that Jesus is in the picture, you just got to find him. He's in the picture. You just got to find him. You got to find him. You got to find him. You will find what you're looking for. And you wonder why critical people find critical things is because they're always looking for critical things. So they find criticalness. People that are looking for bad things in people. How many know if you look for bad in people, you will always find it? Like, come hang out with me for a day. You'll find it. It's all over. I'll just tell you. You don't even have to come find it. I'll tell you. Whatever you're looking for, you can find. And by the way, if you look for good in people, you can find that too. 
If you look for the God in people, you can find that. If you, whatever you are looking for, you can find. And oftentimes our problem is that we often view God through our circumstances. And we've been looking at God through our circumstances and not looking at our circumstances through God. We've got to change the filter. We've got to change it. We've got to change the way that we're looking at things. We're looking at God through circumstances. And instead, how many know that Paul always looked at his circumstances through God? Looked at it through God. Let's ask a guy by the name of Joseph. Anybody know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph in the Old Testament was, a, was the youngest brother of a whole group of brothers. Jacob had a, a host of brothers, uh, of sons, and Joseph was the youngest. And of course, he was the youngest and he was the favorite. Do I have any firstborns in here? How many firstborn kids in here? Okay, firstborns unite. All right, right here. How many of you would like to go and slap your youngest siblings because they got things that you didn't get? Anybody in here? Come on, let's just be honest in here. All right? All right? You, you, don't, you didn't have, you, didn't, you had a curfew, they didn't. You had a bicycle, they got a car. You, come on, somebody. Anybody in here? The youngest got things that you did not get. Your mama spanked you. She's like, ah, she'll be okay. Okay. So, you're like, what? Who are you? Parents just, you know, when you get to the oldest, you know, they're just like, ah, oh, I give up. <laughs> this is just the way that it is. And, and Joseph's in this where he's the favorite of his father. The Bible says his father was giving him gifts and things that the other kids didn't get. And so the other brothers are all jealous and mad and upset at him. And God gives Joseph this dream that he's going to be in charge and all of his family's going to bow down to him. And in his immaturity, he tells his brothers, hey guys, I had a dream last night. They're like, what was it? You're all going to bow down to me. How do you think that one went over? Oh, okay, favored one. Glad for you. And we know, if you know the story that, that his brothers are working and Jacob sends Joseph off to go and see what they're doing and bring them home and, hey, jump in your brand new ATV, I got you. Go find them. Go find them. And, and as he's on his way to go find them, they see him in the distance and they begin to plot to kill him. One of the brothers steps up and says, let's not kill him, let's just sell him. So they end up throwing him a pit. Potiphar's people come by, they, he gets sold into slavery, he goes to Egypt. He's in Potiphar's house serving. Uh, he's doing such a good job. The Bible says that the Spirit of God is with him everywhere he goes. God is with him, God is with him, God is with him. And he's in the house being a great servant. God is putting him in charge in Potiphar's house. And here's Potiphar's wife. She loves Hebrew young boys. She got her eyes all on him. And the Bible says that she's flirting with him, trying to get him to lay with him, putting on some little spritz of, you know, some perfume going by him. And uh, he's like, mm -mm, no, Jesus, help me. No, 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 no. And she grabs a hold of his coat and he runs. And then she falsely accuses him of things that he did not do, which then gets him thrown in prison. And how many know at that moment, just in that moment, God, I've just been trying to do what you told me to do. Like, I'm just trying to, like, be a God-honoring, like, holy man. And here I am in prison. Then he's in prison. He meets his two guys in prison. He's, he's put over all of the prisoners because God's favor is on him. And he meets these two guys in prison, a butler and a baker. They have dreams. He interprets the dreams, tells one guy, hey, you're going to die. He tells the other guy, you're going to get out. You're going to get set free. Hey, by the way, when you get out and get set free, don't forget me. The guy gets out, gets set free, and guess what he does? Forgets him. And finally, finally, Pharaoh actually has a dream, and the guy's like, oh, man, I met this guy in prison. He's really good at dreams. And they get Joseph to come. Joseph interprets his dreams, and 
God promotes him then at that place to second in charge. And he's in this moment, and he's now finally have reached the dream of what God has called for him to do. And we've all been there where we've had things that didn't go quite as planned. We had dreams and visions, and we thought God was going to do something a certain way, but he did it a totally different way. But eventually God gets him to that place, and they hit a famine. And Jacob sends all of his sons to go to Egypt to get some food. And here is Joseph in this moment. It's a long story of this whole transgression of what happens and what they do back and forth. But I, I want to show you a, a, an excerpt from Genesis chapter 50 of how Joseph responds to his brothers who meant to kill him. And this is what he says in Genesis chapter 50. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, now watch this. You meant evil against me. Anybody know some people in your life that meant some evil against you? Meant some things to hurt you? Meant some things to harm you? But I love this. Watch, watch how he reframes it. Because he sees God's goodness in the midst of all of that that's gone on. Over the last decade of his life, he says, but God meant it for what? Everybody say that word. He meant it for good. He meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And then he goes on and he says this, look, so do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them, and watch this, and he spoke what? Kindly to them. Can I tell you, you know that you are spiritually mature when you can speak kindly to the people that are not kind to you. And here he is in this moment. How many of you know, I would have given him an earful. I would have told those guys, <laughs> this is now my moment. Look where I have, I told y'all you would bow down to me. But yet in this moment, he reframes the moment and realizes this is a God moment. God has brought me to this moment just for such a time as this. And he reframed it and saw how God saw it. And he's looking for God's goodness. It reminds me of Romans 8.28, which says it this way that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Here's the question I want to ask you. How would your life change if you believed that God was with you and for you in every situation? Just like Joseph, he had to believe that God, you're with me and God, you're for me. How would your life change if you really believe that every situation God was with you. In that divorce, God was with you. In that lost job, God was with you. When you didn't know how you're going to pay your bills, God was with you. He was for you. When you got overlooked for that promotion that that boss said you were going to have, God was with you. And God was for you. When that friendship failed, God was with you and God was for you. How would your life change if we changed the filter of God, you're with me. God, you're for me. Let me reframe this in a different way. Romans 8, 28, that says that God causes everything, every, everybody say everything, everything to work together for good. Now, how many of you know everything that happens in your life is not good? But God can cause everything. Anybody in here like brownies? Any brownie people? Come on, let's just be honest in here. How many like brownies? How many know hot brownies with ice cream on top is heavenly? Heavenly. Okay. Don't bring, me, don't, don't bring me a stale brownie. I want a fresh, hot brownie with ice cream. That's how I like it. I love it that way. And, and, and I'm not a big cook type of person. I like to barbecue and stuff like that. But I can bake. I can, break some, I can bake some brownies. 
out of the pre-mixed box that you buy at Walmart. Um, I am phenomenal. Now, in the process of making brownies, you understand that there is the brownie mix, and then there's the eggs, and then there's the oil. Now, if you eat the eggs raw, how many know, not good. How many, if you drink the oil raw, not good. It might clean you out, but it's not, it's not good. Brownie mix, eat the brownie mix raw, not good. But you put it all together, come on, how many you know, heavenly. And listen to me, I'm making a point here, and it's not for us to hurry up and get out of here so we can have brownies. God can take things that are not good by themselves and mix them together and make them good. And God is the incredible chef that he can take any ingredients and make it good. If you, take, if you look at the frame of your life in this one event in your life and you made your life about that one frame, it would not look good. But if you would open it all up and you would look, and you would look at the big picture, how many know God can take the small, not good things, mix them all together, and make something amazing? This is what he does. This is what he does. So let me tell you, in ending, how I'm praying for you. Okay, this is how I've been praying for this message. I have not been praying, let me tell you what I'm not praying, and then I'll tell you what I am praying. I have not been praying that God would make your situation good. And here's why I haven't been praying that. Because he already will. Because that's what he does. He's a good God, and he can take bad situations and make them good. He already does that. I know that. What I'm praying, though, is, is that God would open up your eyes to reframe things based off of how he sees things. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying God opens the, the eyes of your mind and the eyes of your heart to see that God is good and that he can take any bad, hard, painful situation and he can make it good. And I'm praying that you would not just get that as information. I pray that you would get that as revelation because how many know there's a difference? Many of us in here know God is good. We just don't believe it. We know God's with us. We just don't believe it. And you know how you're tested to know that it's not just information but revelation? It's tomorrow or Tuesday, or Wednesday, when it gets tested. And that's when you know, okay, God. When you get the phone call, God, I remember. March 9th, 1995, I was living in Arlington, Texas with my family. I was 13 years old. And my dad got the phone call. My mom was away. My dad got the phone call. But my grandfather had died of a massive heart attack in a bank bathroom forever changed my life. January 2nd, 2013, got a phone call from Lindsay that says, Josh, you need to hurry up and get down to the hospital. There's something wrong with Joel's heart. Forever changed my life. And all of you in here are one phone call away from your life being radically changed. How many of you have received a phone call like that in some form or fashion? Dear God, gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching. But even in the midst of those phone calls, sitting down at the doctor's office and he says, I got to tell you something. And what he proceeds to tell you 
is things that totally go against the plan. I planned on my kids being here. I planned on my husband being here. I planned on having this job. I planned on, and it didn't go as planned. I'm here to, ta- to tell you, you can reframe the situation. Your, your wall does not have to be filled with the pictures of all your pain. You can reframe it. And today, God's wanting to reframe some pain. And he's wanting to tell you he's good. He's good. And so I pray today that there would be a revelation that God's truth would become your truth. That's what I pray. Because listen, as your pastor, I can't promise you that this year is going to be phenomenal and you're never going to walk through pain. I'd be lying to you. My job as your pastor is to prepare you for the moment when it comes because it's coming. And if you're not in it right now, you will be at some point. And so will I. So will I. I just want to make sure that you are standing on something that can actually secure you when it does come. And whatever comes your way, know that you know that you know that everything that comes my way, God can make everything for my good and for his glory. Amen. Father, in this moment, we invite you to come. God, I know, Lord, you're speaking to so many people right now. If you are in the midst of, of something right now that is either painful or you're, you're just trying to find God in the midst of it, and you, don't, you just haven't seen him, but you want to, I want you to raise your hand in this place. I want to pray for you. I want to pray over you today. God, right now, I pray for every person that's got their hand raised. God, I know what they're going through is not good. But I know that you are good. So God, I pray today, Lord, that there would be a fresh revelation of your goodness. And I speak right now to every lie of the enemy that was trying to come in and derail their relationship with you because what has happened. God, I pray right now that if anything, the pain that they're walking through would not push them away from you, it would draw them closer to you. And God, I pray that in this house there would be a revelation that we would stand firm, that you are good. You are good. God, that you're working all things out for our good and your glory. God, that you're with us, that you're for us. God, that you have plans to prosper us. And God, oftentimes when we say those things, it's hard because our reality looks different than what we're saying. But God, today we're people of faith. And so we speak those things into existence today. We speak those things into our heart. God, give us the confidence, the grace, and the strength. God, we need you. We need you. I pray this today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I want to end with this. Jesus, when when his body was broken and bruised and beaten and the flesh was ripped off of him and he had crown of thorns that were put into his skull and then he was ultimately crucified on a cross with a spear in his side. Let me ask you this, good day or bad day? 
see, some of you have a hard time saying what it is. You know why? Because you know it was both. Right? It was a bad day that only because of it, though, became a good day for the rest of us. How many are you thankful that Jesus took on the bad day so that he could give you the good day? Come on, how many know that's thankful? We'll God, we're so thankful. God, I'm so thankful. So listen to me. Anytime you hashtag bad day, just think about Jesus. Because your bad day is nowhere near in comparison to the bad day that Jesus took so that every day you could have a good day. And yet again, not because everything in your life is easy and everything's going well. And I'm not trying to paint a picture to like, hey, let's just, it's a good day and things are going hard. I know that. We'll bear with the morning of what goes on and have those emotions and those are properly placed. But overall, we just know that even in the midst of what I'm doing going through right now, God, I trust you that today you can use this for our good and your glory. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? I want to pray over you today. And I'm going to invite our ministry team to come forward. If you raise your hand today and say, man, I'm just going through a hard time right now, a hard day, come, let us pray with you. There's, there's a power in people praying over you and praying with you, especially when you're going through something. So I want to pray over you. And then I want to invite you to come and let these people pray with you today. Father, I pray right now for every person today, God, that just, man, they're just going through something. God, today I pray that you would help us change the filter, fix the frame. God, help us to frame these things the way that you want us to see it. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you're good. God, we're reminded today, Lord, as, even as Lindsay said, God, Lord, we will bless the Lord. Lord, all my soul will bless you. So God, I'm praying your favor upon your people. I pray that you would be gracious to them. I pray that you would speak to them and use them this week in a powerful way. And all God's people said,